Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. We're continuing tonight. Jesus, my healer. How many of you have been blessed with this series? And that we've been, those of you who have not been here, please go and listen to the messages uh, the past three, three weeks up until tonight. This is week number four. I want to start off tonight with a quote from one of my favorite ministers of the gospel, Kenneth Copeland. God does not play favorites. It is his will and desire for you to be healed, period. God's word says my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, according to Hosea chapter 4, verse 6. They do, not, they, do not, they do not have the knowledge of God's word that it is his will for them to be healed. And that's one of the main reasons why I'm taking this opportunity to teach in depth, because many of us have got to get some of the old junk out of our heads and come to the full understanding that it is 100% God's will for you and I to be healed. Amen? Amen. Let me go on with this quote. Some people accept sickness as God's will. Think about how many times we've heard ourselves or somebody else say these kind of things. Well, I guess God's just trying to teach me something. I guess God just wants me to experience this for his glory. Yet the same people, again, the people who accept sickness, saying that, well, God, you know, it must be God's will for me. Yet the same people will take medicine, be operated on, or do anything else they can in order to get well. Many have forgotten God's benefit of healing for their bodies. God has always provided healing for his people. According to Psalm 103, verse 2 and 3 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases. To live free from sickness, you must accept the word of God concerning your healing in your heart. Believe what God's word says about his will for you. The power and blessing you receive from it will be according to how you hear it. You must accept it as God talking to you as the word of the living God and the authority in your life. Amen? Amen. Amen. We gather here tonight to immerse ourselves in the word of God because it is only through the word of God that we are able to receive God's will manifested in our life. It does not come because we beg. It does not come because we cry. It does not come because we make deals with God. It comes because you and I, as human beings who have a free nature and a free will, decide as an act of our will that we are going to submit to what God says even when it makes absolutely no sense to us. Are you hearing me? I want to give you the two foundational scriptures that we've been reading over these past few weeks. Actually, I'm going to cut it down to the one, Isaiah 53, verse 3, and I read to you from the Amplified Version. He was despised and rejected and forsaken by men, a man of sorrows and pains and acquainted with grief and sickness, and like one with whom men hunt. Let me stop this for a minute. Thomas, can you give me... John, the Gospel of John, chapter 12, verse, start in verse 40. 
I have had my Bible in my bedroom open to John chapter 12 for the past three weeks. It just keeps speaking to me. I just keep reading over the same thing again. And I came across a verse of scripture and it popped. Did you ever have that? It jumped off the page and I'm thinking to myself, I've been reading this chapter for weeks now, let alone for the past 34 years. And then this verse pops off the page, the Gospel of John, chapter 12, starting in verse 40. You could do a New King James Version, it's fine. I want you to see something. I want you to see how incredible our God is. I want you to see how he ties everything in the Word of God together so that we would know beyond a shadow of a doubt that this book is written by him, that it is his word, it is his will. Go back, go back another verse. Now, John chapter 11. It's okay if we take our time tonight, right? We're not going to finish this series this month, okay? John chapter 11 is predominantly one story. Does anybody know what story that's about, John chapter 11? Lazarus. John chapter 11 is the account of Lazarus's death and resurrection. John chapter 12 continues in part about Lazarus in the fact that it tells us that as the, in other words, the thing that infuriated the religious leaders the most, in other words, the last straw, I never made this connection until this past two weeks, that the last straw on the back of the Pharisees was Lazarus's resurrection. They could take the blind eyes open, they could take the deaf ears open, they could take the lepers being cleansed, they could take the lame walking. But when Jesus raised that man from the dead, they were like, we're done now. We've got to do something about this guy. Because if we don't, we're going to lose our position, we're going to lose our salaries, we're going to lose our palaces, we're going to lose our status in society. That's how crazy a person can get when greed and avarice and all of this covetousness takes hold of a person's mind. So now in, in 12, in chapter 12, it talks about how they not only plotted to eliminate Jesus, but they wanted to kill Lazarus also because many of the Jews believed in Jesus after they saw Lazarus back from the dead. Amen? Then it talks about how they wouldn't believe because the book of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah prophesied, he predicted that generation would not believe no matter, no matter what. They would try to figure it out with their minds instead of allowing their heart to say, he is Messiah. Okay? Now, I want you to see something. Go back to that. Therefore, they cannot believe because Isaiah said again, he's quoting again here, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, lest they should see with their, I, I want to add this, natural eyes, lest they should understand with their natural hearts and turn so that I should heal them. Next verse. Watch this now. I want you to read this with me, and I want you to read it slowly. Ready? One, two, three. These things Isaiah said when he saw his glory and spoke of him. When did Isaiah see his glory? 
We know that he spoke of him, but he spoke of him based on something that Isaiah had seen 700 years before Jesus shows up on the scene. Now let's go back to Isaiah 53. Because Isaiah 53, Isaiah the prophet describes the time that he saw the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ firsthand. And what we're getting in Isaiah 53 is what confirms and was fulfilled right there. Isaiah, if you read Isaiah 6, and we can't, we, we, I got to move on tonight. I can't drag it out that long. In Isaiah chapter 6, when Isaiah's cousin, King Uzziah, dies, Isaiah is translated to heaven. Go read it. He talks about the angels that he saw. He talked about these divine creatures that have six wings, two covering their eyes, two covering their feet, and two which they flew with. That'll get you to sit down and write some stuff down when you see something like that flying around. And those angels' only responsibility is this. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. You want to know something? They're still doing it. They're still doing it. The only function these angels were created for was to just hover above the throne and continuously continue. And some of you got nervous when they came up to sing the song again. Oh, oh, we're going to sing again? Those angels for all of eternity serve one purpose. Holy Holy, holy is the Lord, God Almighty. You listening to me? Isaiah gets translated into heaven. He sees this whole scenario. He's given a glimpse of the entire salvation plan. In fact, I I remember who it was, one of the Bible teachers that that I used to follow years ago. I remember saying, if you had to pick just one book out of the Bible, that'll get you to heaven. The book of Isaiah contains the entire plan of salvation from beginning to end. And there's no coincidence that in that book is contained the doctrine, the promise of divine healing. He tells us what he saw. He was despised and rejected and forsaken by men. A man of sorrows. He's taken 700 years into the future in his time. And he sees this whole thing being played out. He sees Jesus on the scene. He sees the persecution. He sees them arrest him. He sees them torment him. Listen to the language. He's he's a man of sorrows and pains and acquainted with grief and sickness. And like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we did not appreciate his worth or have any esteem for him. Surely he has borne our griefs, sicknesses, weaknesses, and distresses and carried our sorrows and pains of punishment Yet we ignorantly considered him stricken and smitten and afflicted by God as if with leprosy. Five. Now he sees the crucifixion. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our guilt and iniquities. The chastisement, or we could say the punishment, needful to obtain peace and well-being for us was upon him. And with his stripes that wounded him, we are healed. Watch this. And made what? Whole. Amazing, amazing. Now, I'm going to be real honest and transparent with you. I am 
so thankful to God Almighty that he put me, when I first got born again, he arranged it in such a way that I would end up in a church that taught this as normal. Normal. It's just part of it. It's just the way it is. I thank God that I went right from knowing nothing, not having a bunch of stuff to unlearn. And the stuff that I brought in from my Catholic background, there was no, there was no conflict. I never believed half that stuff about the saints anyway. You know what I'm saying? They're dead. <laughs> 17 years old, I'm on a plane to Italy. 1974. First time I ever flew. First time I've ever flown since then. I'm all by myself. I'm traveling from New York, JFK, to Rome, from Rome to Palermo, Sicily. I sit next to a man who doesn't speak any English. I'm forced now to draw from a little bit I know. He's telling me stories. I'll tell you this story. Say, Pastor, what does this got to do with it? Hold on. I don't know how, but to this day, I still remember this story. The man tells me a story about his little village in Sicily. How there was a man who had a pear tree. And this pear tree never produced any fruit. So they chopped it down. They brought it to the local priest and they said, we're going to give you this. It's good, very good wood for you to make a statue out of. They made a statue. I forget what saint he said. They put it in the church. Nobody would come and pray to it. Why? Because they said if he couldn't make any pears when he was a tree... What makes us think he could produce anything now? <laughs> so I said that story to reinforce that point. I didn't have to do a lot of sorting out. I knew in my heart that God was real. I knew in my heart that there had to be another life after this, that there had to be something, and that if we could just find a way, we'd be okay. So I come from that kind of background, not a lot of rosary beads, lighting candles, all this stuff. I didn't believe any of that stuff. I knew it was all tchotchkes. It was just... So I come from that background into a word of faith church. Hardcore. Radical. We believed and believe in everything that God says in the word. And I thank God that it was never taught to me in the, in the sense of well, you know, some people believe this, and some people believe that, and some people believe this about the Holy Spirit. And so, now I was taught, this is the way it is. This is what the Word says. This is what we're following. This is what we're producing. Amen. Salvation without divine healing is a partial plan. Think about it. Salvation that only includes missing hell and going to heaven does not help me here on this earth. Not unless I get saved an hour before I die. Are you listening? Do you understand what I'm saying? Because if the, if, if the full gospel is not 100% available to us, 
that we have had, we've got an, a really raw deal, especially for those of us that got born again in our younger years. Because now I've got to spend the next 60 years, 70 years in hell on this earth before I get to experience relief in heaven. What kind of salvation is that? So listen to me. If you came from a background where they told you that this healing is not available today, baloney. You listening to me? Get that junk out of your head. You've been sold a bunch of lies. And they packaged it under man's tradition, slapped a couple of scriptures taken out of context to make you believe this junk. And that is what Paul talked about, that in the last days there would be doctrines of demons. The devil doesn't want you free. The devil doesn't want me free. The devil doesn't want you healed, doesn't want you healthy, doesn't want you strong. Why? Because he does not, talked about this last week, does not want you to fulfill the assignment that's on your life. And as long as he can hinder that, he will. So, like anything else in the kingdom, like I've been talking about every week, we receive these promises by faith. Number one, faith for healing starts with our knowledge of the word. We talked about this last week. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Now faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Yes. Right? We talked about last week. If, we, if we're asking something that's not in his will, don't worry about it. Why? He doesn't hear it. All right? And thank God he doesn't hear it. Because if some of us got some of the stupid things we prayed about that were out of God's will, we'd be in big trouble tonight. Yes. Second Peter, just reviewing a little bit. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3. His divine power has has, has given us everything we need for a godly life. How? How is it conveyed to us? What is the vehicle that brings, what package does it come in? Through, come on, say it with me. Through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Outside of the knowledge of the will of God, you're not going to accomplish much of anything. The more you know about God, the more they know of, the, of his will, the you know, more you know of his word, the better you can pray, the more you can believe for. Church, listen to me. Now more than ever, we have got to become and remain students of the word. And it cannot be crisis orientated. It cannot be uh, instigated or motivated only by crisis, because in crisis, you, when, you pro, when you study the word in crisis, you only get the little things you need to survive. That John chapter 12, 41, maybe didn't light your fire up, but man, it did something inside of me. When I saw, now watch this now. Why was that important? Why was that verse of scripture important? Who predominantly was Jesus trying to reach when he came to this earth? The Jews. So that little, that little line, that verse 41, that normally would go, was put there so that the Jewish reader would go, wait a second. When did Isaiah, who they held in high esteem, when did Isaiah possibly could have seen this man and his glory? And it would have provoked them and stimulated them to go back and study their scriptures. What's the big deal, Pastor? That's the love of God. 
That is the mercy of God, that he doesn't want anyone to perish, but that all should come to the knowledge. You listening to me? There's not one word, there's not one phrase, there's not one verse in that Bible that doesn't have meaning and life to it. You cannot afford to just let it sit by and go weeks without touching it. At least years ago, you, maybe you'd go week to week because everybody brought their Bibles to church. I'm not even going to ask. Everything God has given us to enjoy has been revealed to us through the knowledge of him. Number two. So the best way to answer this question and to settle the question that we started three weeks ago, is it God's will for us to be healed? Is to see what the Bible says. Let's just go through some scriptures. Third John, chapter two. Beloved, so who's this written to? Us. I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Living translation. Dear friend, I hope all is well with you and that you are as healthy in body as you are, this is good, as you are strong in what? Spirit. Young's literal translation of the New Testament. Beloved, concerning all things, I desire thee, thee to prosper and to be in health even as thy soul doth prosper. In other words, it's continuous. Even as your soul is prospering. Our soul, our mind, our will, our emotions should be constantly, constantly, constantly coming under the lordship of the word of God. Who is the word of God? Jesus. And Jesus to us is our savior and our, oh, that went over real big. Okay. He is our savior and our Lord. Some of us are going to be required to get some things out of our lives that we've been tolerating for a long time. Mindsets, consecration, sanctification, setting ourselves apart, living holy. Remember that word? Does anybody remember that word? Holy. I'm going to make this statement, and some people are not going to like it. And it's not a blanket statement, but it applies to some. As it pertains to healing, some people don't get their healing, not because God's withholding it, but because as long as you live a lifestyle where you're shaky, you cannot position yourself to receive that healing. Anything we receive, anything we receive from God, you, God's already done it. God's not healing anybody today. Do you understand this? God's not healing anybody today. When we pray, oh, God, heal so-and-so, that's an unscriptural prayer because God already healed everyone at the cross. What you and I must do is position ourselves in such a way to receive that healing. Just like you, oh, this is good. Just like you had to position yourself at one point in your life to receive salvation. You knew about it. You heard about it. People talked about it. But you didn't receive it until you positioned yourself one day. You took the stance and you said, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that he's the Son of God. Something clicked here. I believe he did. He died on the cross for my sins. And you know what? 
I believe God raised her from the dead. I believe he's alive because I'm, I'm feeling his presence and I'm hearing his voice. You can't feel when somebody's dead and they're in the grave. So you position yourself for healing. By you coming here on Wednesday nights, you are positioning yourself to receive the word of God that's going to bring the manifestation of healing in your life. Can I have something to drink there? Preaching myself hoarse. Thank you, Michael. Don't we got some awesome ushers? Come on, give it up for these guys. And girls. I need one of those little tables like the big shot preachers have. Okay, John wrote that letter that we just quoted from. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health, even as your soul prospers, as your soul prospers. You see that little qualifier there? As your soul prospers. What does it mean for your soul to prosper? Is that air conditioner on? It will, it, it. <laughs> what does it mean for your soul to prosper? In a sense... It's positioning yourself and your soul, getting your soul lined up. Because how many times, oh, this is good too. How many times have you had a battle between what's in your heart and what's in your head? Like your heart's going one way, your mind is going the other way. And it's usually your heart wants to believe what the word says, but your mind goes, nah, it can't be possible. Oh, he did it for, he did it for, for Tom but he's not going to do it for you. He did it for John, but he's not going to do it for you. And so, so soul prosperity, you understand, has nothing to do with finances. Okay? It has to do with you in alignment with the Word of God so that you can receive what the Word of God is promising. Are you getting this? So John was writing this letter to believers under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He revealed that the Lord wants us healthy just as much as he wants us to prosper emotionally and mentally. And, and, and prosper does include finances too. Oh, you guys are really like, I'm going to have to teach on this a long time after we're done with healing. No, I'm telling you why. This is what the Lord's been revealed to me lately is the two biggest issues in people's lives. It's either physical health or finances. And you could tell just by the response, the majority in this room do not believe biblically what the word says about finances too. You don't. You don't, because you'd have a different response to that. Beloved, I, I pray, some translations, I wish above all things that you would be in health. Why? Because physical health is more important, right? Right? In the priority of things, right? Because what good is you being filthy rich if you don't have any health? You can't spend that money from your deathbed. Okay, so in the priority of things, that you would be in health and... Pro Come on, say it. It's not gonna, your tongue's not going to explode. That you would be in health and prosper, even as your soul prospers. You want to know why it's even as your soul prospers? Because if your soul's not prospering, it doesn't matter how much health you're in. If your soul's not prospering, it don't matter how much money you have. 
You're not going to be any good to anybody. He wants us healthy. He wants us to prosper emotionally, mentally. He wants you to have what you need so that you're not up all night long worrying about how you're going to pay your bills. Because that will lead to sickness. Our souls prosper when we feed on the word of God. It always comes back to the same thing. It always comes back to the word. It always comes back to the word. It always comes back to the word. It's the word and the spirit, the spirit and the word, the word and the spirit, the spirit and the word. It's not going to come just because you wish. The more we grow spiritually, the more we experience life as God designed it. So soul prosperity involves, number one, feeding on the word. Number two, write these things down, please. Because it's going to be a quiz at the end of the service. <laughs> feeding on the word. Next one is what? Putting the word into action. Number two, putting the word into action. Because what good is you feeding on the word if you don't put it into action? We got the, church, the church of Jesus Christ all over the world is full of people who know scriptures, but that's as far as it goes. Number three, extremely important if you're going to walk in health. If your soul's going to prosper, you've got to live a lifestyle of forgiveness. You hearing me? You hearing me? There's too much bitterness in the church. There's too much unforgiveness in the church. It's bad enough when it's outside. Too much unforgiveness. Don't, don't, don't crouch. Don't hide behind the seat in front of you. Too much unforgiveness in the church. Number four, making your soul love God and love people. Making your soul. Make it. You, you speak to your soul. You tell your soul what to do. It is the person who learns to master their emotions and bring those emotions into submission to God will be the most threatening individual to the kingdom of darkness. And sometimes the enemy pegs us and locates us and does everything possible to constantly keep us in emotional uproar. Emotional crisis. Every time you turn around, somebody else is saying something stupid to you. Every time you turn around, somebody else is hurting your feelings. Every time you turn around, somebody else is disappointing you. You've got to cut that off. And listen, you can't do that by cutting off people. You can't cut off people, not unless you go move on an island someplace. And then if you're in that habit, you'll get mad at a coconut or a, a stone. You'll always find something to get mad at. You've got to come to the place where you recognize that you cannot allow. You can't control people. As much as you want to, you cannot control people. So you've got to learn how to control what it does to you. Some people just have a master's degree in aggravating others. <laughs> have you met any? So you're going to have to learn, what am I going to do with this situation? How is it possible that there's only three minutes left? What did you guys do with the clock? So, making your soul love God. I think David caught a glimpse of this. That's why you hear him constantly saying things like, bless the Lord, O my soul. He's telling himself. Why? 
Because when you have a tough life, sometimes the last thing you want to do is bless the Lord. Because you want to be like the babies, like babies, like Christians that have no responsibility to anybody or live that way anyway and just act like jerks. You just want to live any way you want. But you know we're not made that way. So we've got to learn how to, to rein in, to rein in, to rein in. Jesus told us to possess our souls, take control over them. Not to become zombies, not to become heartless, but to be disciplined, in control. Recognizing as much as emotions can be a blessing, they can also be an extreme curse. As much as they can be our friend in times of joy and rejoicing, they can be our enemy in times of hardship and sorrow. When we don't do these things, when we don't feed on the word, when we don't put the word in action, put in the word in action, what's the best way I can describe that? When your soul, when, excuse me, when your spirit speaking through your soul reminds you, you've got to walk in love with that person, and on the inside you're going, I want to rip their throat out. <laughs> don't look at me like that. You have those thoughts all the time. How can he talk that way? Because I'm just telling the truth. So, but you know, number one, you don't want to go to jail. Number two, you can't do those things. So you tell yourself to walk in love. Walk in love. The Holy Spirit so, so reminds you of scriptures. Remember, remember, remember. I've been shed abroad in your heart. The love of God is there. Tap into that love of God. Put your hand down. Tap into the love of God. That's literally putting the word in action. Are you, oh, listen, I feel like I'm not getting through with this. No, we sit here now and we go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Putting the word into action is the only evidence we have that we actually contain the word of God in us. Thomas, I'm sorry to do this to you again, but could you give me Joshua chapter 1, verse 8? I can't think of a better scripture to demonstrate this. New King James, Joshua 1.8. You learning anything tonight? Has this helped you? Do you realize as you're sitting here, there's somebody that you know that should have been here tonight to hear this? Uh, I'm serious, you know it? You realize that? You're going to bring them next week? Did I just have subtitles going with anything? Are you going to bring somebody next week? Yes. Joshua 1.8. I'm sorry to do this to you guys. No, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to them. Because <laughs> these poor they work so hard back there, and then I always throw them off. Here it is. Oh, it was worth the time. It was worth the time, right? Give it up for the guy in the sound booth. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Look. This book of the law shall not depart from your where? Mouth. So in order to get it in your mouth, what do you got to do? Read it. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate. And for those of you that don't know, maybe not heard this, that word meditate in Hebrew means to chew. 
and to chew like a cow does and chew and chew and then let it go down and then what does the cow do bring it back up again and then what does he do or she what does she do with it chew it and chew it and chew it okay the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall chew on it and chew on and chew on it day and night that you may observe to memorize it. That you may observe to recite it to somebody else. That you may observe to smack somebody in the face with it and prove them that they're wrong. Is that what it says? <laughs> that you may observe to... You see this two little, word, two little letters here? Make all the difference in the world. That you may observe to do according to what? All that is written in it. Next verse. For then. When? When, when then? What is then? What, what is then when? After what? After you've chewed on it and chewed on it and chewed on it. And then you went and did what it says. Then. Who's going to make your way prosperous? You. Oh, God. Oh, God. Come on, God. Come on. Prosper me, God. Come on. Uh, it's not fair. I never get to prosper. <laughs> Are you getting this? For then you will make your way prosperous. One more time. Prosperous. And then you will have what? Good success. So let's flip this around and we're done for tonight. If I don't feed on the word, if I don't put it into action, if I don't meditate on it day and night, if I don't chew it, and come on, do it with me, and chew it, and chew it, and chew it, and then observe to do, then I will not make my way prosperous, and I will not have good success, no matter how hard you try, no matter how many jobs you take, no matter how many schemes you get involved in, it's not going to prosper. Why? Because God is not going to bring prosperity in your life that is not based upon his promises and based upon his word. Amen? Amen? Amen. God bless you. I'll see you next Wednesday. Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word. If this message helped you today, please consider supporting New Beginnings financially. You can just go to newbeginningsnj.org and click the giving tab. We hope to see you soon.